thought coming out as a high school kid, you know, how cool it would be to go play in these big stadiums in the, in the Pac-10, but after my experience at, at Washington Grizz Stadium and then, you know, even going beyond and, and playing in some places when I was in camp for the NFL, the atmosphere at Washington Grizz was a more special place than anywhere that I'd ever that, I, that I'd ever played. It was truly a home field advantage. I mean, it was, I always tell people, I mean, that was, it's one of the best places in America that you could experience watching a game, I would imagine, and definitely playing in a game, especially being a Grizz. It was just, it's such a special place, and we all know that. It's talked about, I think, nationally, even people know about it, but, uh, it's just a truly special place. I mean, I, I don't really even, you got to experience it to really understand what it feels like. Hello and welcome to Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. I'm Coulter Nuanas for Ryan Tutel. Grizz Greats is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and First Security Bank of Missoula. In this Grizz Greats episode, we welcome in Joe Douglas, a Hall of Famer at the University of Montana, one of the most prolific receivers in the history of the Grizz football program, a fan favorite, and a sort of pioneer, a guy that transferred from the University of Montana from Oregon State, one of the first Pac-10 transfers Don Reed was able to bring in. And that Montana Grizz coaching staff, they had so many Oregon ties. Robin Flugrad, the wide receivers coach all the way until 1994 before he left a native of Eugene, Oregon. Don Reed from Oregon. Jerome Sowers, the defensive coordinator from Oregon. A variety of players on the team, including Matt Wells, another record-setting receiver, also from Oregon. Joe Douglas, he hailed from Salem. He came to Montana before the 1995 season. He only played 22 games for the Grizzlies, but he still finished with 145 catches, 2,301 receiving yards. He scored 174 total points, and he had 25 receiving touchdowns. He was an All-American as both a junior and a senior, as well as an All-Big Sky selection each year. In 1996, he won the Steve Carlson Award as the MVP of the Grizz football team that was on the heels of one of the great seasons in program history he had 82 receptions and 18 touchdowns that year both single season school records and the touchdown record still stands today he also set the single game receiving record for yardage with 279 yards against eastern washington he also scored four touchdowns in that game that 279 yard single game mark stood until last year in the second round of the fcs playoffs when samari toure totaled over 300 yards breaking that record after it had stood for almost 25 years Joe Douglas still holds the FCS playoff tournament record for most catches with 41. He had 13 grabs in the 1996 national title game, and perhaps one of his most memorable performances was his outstanding game against Montana State in 1995. That day in Bozeman, he hauled in 13 receptions, 208 yards, and a touchdown as, as Montana won, going away 42-33 as part of their epic run that then led into three straight playoff wins to advance to the national title game against Marshall, where they earned the school's first national championship with a 22-20. 20 victory in Huntington, West Virginia. Grizz Grace, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and First Security Bank of Missoula. Proud to welcome in Joe Douglas, University of Montana Hall of Fame wide receiver. Well, happy to welcome in now a University of Montana Hall of Famer, a transfer to the Grizzlies for two seasons he played, but was an All-American both years at the 1AA level. Joe Douglas, wide receiver for the 1995 National Champions. Joe, thank you so much for being here, man. We're excited to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing well, and I, I appreciate you reaching out. Um, as we talked about a little bit before we got going, I've gotten pretty old here, so it seems I'm pretty far removed. And especially with Football season kind of not being what it always has been. Uh, it's uh, I, I really do appreciate you guys kind of rekindling these old memories, and and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Put that part in perspective for us. I mean, it, it, does this seem like it was just yesterday? Does it seem like it was forever ago? Both. I mean, what what sort of memories are these for you? Do you think about this this a lot, or where are you at just with this this accomplishment you guys had as a group 25 years ago? You know, sometimes it does seem like it was yesterday, and then sometimes it, it seems like it was really long ago. Um, and then, as you just said, a, a transfer in for two years. When you said that, I immediately kind of go to um, the game when we went into Oregon State, which I came from, where, where I transferred from. from and um, 
we we trounced them coming off the uh, national championship year. Um, so with the national championship game, that game going to Oregon State and really kind of putting our foot down, saying we're going to compete again as seniors, even without Dave and stuff, uh, really is a big-time memory um, that I think about pretty often but you know what it seems like it was a long long time ago at this point in time <laughs> well you know that's I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up and that's something that we wanted to get to specifically with you because of those ties in that game and then the, obviously the senior mm-hmm. season that you had which was exemplary uh, of, of course all the way through but let's go back to the to, to the you know, previous part of this, chronologically speaking, and the transfer mm-hmm. in, uh, and you, mm-hmm. you you know, you grow up in in Salem, you go to Corvallis, you you, you know, you start there at Oregon State for a couple of years, you, you get your career started at Oregon State. What was it that got you to Montana? Like, how did that sort of transfer, not just transferring out of Oregon State, but specifically to the Grizzlies? Well, I was recruited uh, by Coach Reed and the Grizzlies. Um, out of high school, and it was one of my uh, visits that I did take. Um, but I, again, being an Oregon guy, I guess, and, um, you know, the Pac-10 was an allure to me. Um, you know, it was, wasn't too far. Salem and Corvallis weren't too far away. I guess I was a little bit of a homebody as I look back, back at it now. Um, you know, I ended up with the, with the Beavers, and you work so stinking hard uh, in the off season, in the season, and then uh, some more off season, and you just invest so much time and effort. And um, gosh, it just football wasn't that fun when you know I, you know I even started uh, as a as a sophomore and played a little bit as a freshman, but you know it just was not fun, uh, not competing and and not being very good. And to be honest with you. When the Grizz went into Oregon, I caught, I think it was my sophomore year, and I, I think that's kind of when Dave just went nuts and they really competed with the Ducks at Eugene. I don't know if you can remember that game. But Absolutely. I'm, sit, I'm sitting there watching like a replay, uh, you know, and I'm in Corvallis um, with a couple buddies, and it just looked so fun. Um, and because I, at that point in time, we're running the wishbone. I had gotten the receiver, and I think I, I led the – the team in receptions that year with like 11 or something. It was just something ridiculous. <laughs> so I was like this, this glorified offensive lineman uh, out on the perimeter, you know, and so football just wasn't that fun. And here I'm watching the Grizz and I'm like, God, I could have been there. It looks so fun. And these little guys are running around and making plays. So it really was that, that kind of moment in time where I started thinking, you know what, maybe I'll reach out to uh, coach Flugrad, who was still there at the time who had recruited me. And just to see if there was a possibility to uh, possibly transfer in there at, at the semester. And sure enough, it, it ended up happening. But it was, I, it was literally watching uh, the Grizz play the, the Ducks, you know, when I was a sophomore. What was that, 94, 93, 94-ish, somewhere in there. And it just looked like football was fun again. It could be fun again. So um, that happened, and, and thank God it all worked out because football became so fun once. I got back, uh, got got into Missoula, and uh, was a Grizz. I mean, the football became so fun again, and so uh, that's kind of how that happened. You know, I'm I'm interested in this aspect because, of course, I think everybody can relate to. Hey, you know, you're an Oregon kid, you want to stay in state and, and kind of be close to home and all that. But but on the football side of this, when you talk about the Pac-10 or you know now the Pac-12 and kids mm-hmm. who grow up, say on the I-5 corridor, right? And that's you know that's yep. the level of football that you're watching, that you're hearing about, and you yep. you know know there's other stuff going on Mountain West, whatever. But I imagine never really envision yourself going, oh, man, you know, what if I went to Cal Poly? You know, what would that look like? And so, <laughs> right. you, you know, how much of that do you have to overcome when you grow up there? Because when you grow up in Montana, it's the Grizz and the Cats, man. I mean, that's what you're into. So yeah. so talk about trying to overcome that hurdle sort of mentally maybe a little bit of going, well, this is where I am. This is where I belong. Well, there, there was a little bit of that. Um but again, when you're at that level, um, either, I mean, when I became, when I was a Grizz, I mean, we worked every bit as hard as we did uh, in Corvallis, but it was just a little bit different. Like I said, the football wasn't that fun. Um, you know, that, that Pac-10, I guess, stigma when you're 18, 19 years old and you have an opportunity to 
jump in the Pac-10 and go to the Arizonas, the Arizona States, UCLA's. Like that, that is a big part of, I, I guess, your psyche, and and you want to play at that level where you think you can. Um, but just for me, it just uh, that situation at Oregon State and just wanting more. I, I, I thought I could just contribute more than just kind of like I said, being a glorified offensive tackle, um, you know, out on the perimeter. So um, uh, I think being an 18-year-old kid and having a Pac-10 scholarship and wanting to to kind of compete at that level, um, at the highest level, at least in my head at that point in time. Um, but after a couple of years of, like I said, just that experience, I, I was like, yeah, it wasn't, that wasn't import, as important to me as just finding a place where it looked fun and we could actually compete and win games. Um, and so that was a big, big deal uh, on my end. It was just, it was, it was just tough putting in that kind of time and, and just getting trounced every Saturday when the, I was a beaver. I mean, we just did not win very many games. We didn't compete and football wasn't very fun. It's a great memory of you watching Montana against Oregon and sort of recollecting, oh, man, I remember those guys recruited me a little bit. This looks like a fun system. Mm -hmm. But then how did the rest of the recruiting play out? Did did you apply for a transfer and contact Montana, or had you kept in contact with the staff? How how did it work? That's exactly – I mean, they can't actively – once you're with a college program, I I can't imagine coaches being able to to contact – uh, any players to transfer, but I watched them play, and I, you know, I had Coach Flugrad, so I still had his number, or my our parents did. I somehow got a hold of that. It wasn't that hard, and I called him. I said, "Hey, I, you know, I told him my situation, just not that happy. Um, you know, is in, you know, I wanted my college to be paid for. You know, I was on a full ride, and and Montana had offered me a full ride at the time too. So that played a big part. Um, I, I wanted to know if there was a scholarship if I were, if I were to transfer." And so I crossed the bridge with Montana before I went to Coach Pettibone and said, hey, I'd like a release and, and transfer. Um, so once Coach Flew and, and that whole staff, uh, you know, we got the okay that there would be a scholarship for me for the next two and a half years, that's when I uh, asked for my release at Oregon State. I, I certainly wasn't going to go to Coach Pettibone before I talked to uh, the Montana guys and asked for a release or anything. I really didn't – I didn't – I saw Montana. I, I reached out to them. I didn't really think about going anywhere else. It was kind of them or or no one else, really, in my head at that time. You know, Joe, talk about that, though, because now with the with the transfer portal and stuff, kids get a little more autonomy in what they do, but they also uh, don't have to face the music so much, right, when they when they make a call like that. And it's, you know, even if you're, you know, think you got a much better situation elsewhere to go into your coach and say, hey, man, I, I, I want out. What was that like? It was, it was, that was not a fun conversation at all. Like I said, I, I was a sophomore. I started, um, I returned punts for him. So, you know, I was a significant player. Um, but you know, I, and I, I don't know if you know the name, but Brady Hoke, who ended up, you know, being the head coach at the university of Michigan and what what have you. So, um, when I was at Oregon state, we, you know, each coach, as we were in camp before the season really started, each coach would have this theme, right. And, um, uh, they they would give us a big speech. Uh, one would at one night, and then another one would would another. Well, I just and I kind of threw it in Coach Pettibone's face. You know, we're trying to build a program at Oregon State, and and Coach Hoke, I remember his speech at the time. You know, he's like, "Don't bitch." He's like, you know, the the point was, if you're here, work your butt off. Don't bitch. And then when it's time, if you want to get out, then just transfer. And I went into coach, and I, I went up to Coach Pettibone. I said, "Hey, man, I worked my rear end off. I've never bitched about anything." I'm like, uh, I, I'd like to transfer. I'd like you to release me. You know, and the, I kind of threw that speech from <laughs> Coach Hoke, uh, Coach Pettimo. But that wasn't a fun conversation because I really respected Coach, and he was always good to me. But, you know, I, I, I was just, like I said, football wasn't fun anymore. Coming into the University of Montana at that time as a transfer, uh, Don Reed had not taken many transfers at that point. I think there'd been a handful of guys, but it wasn't it wasn't nearly as ratcheted up as what it would become under Joe Glenn, Bobby Houck years later. So, uh, what what do you remember about being the guy that's coming from the Pac-10 and into the Big Sky into Montana locker room? You know, it was a little bit of a shock. Um, uh, you know, first of all, just kind of rolling into Missoula. Um, it was like a super cold. It was snowy. I really didn't know where I was going to live. Um, it was a really quiet kind of uh, time of year. 
Um, all that being said, once we started working out, um, and I got to know the coaches, I really, really liked the, the culture of the program. Obviously, when you, you kind of come in and you don't know anyone, um, you have a little bit of trepidation and uncertainty, but there were some Oregon guys that were there who had just known me by name, and I knew it, who they were, but, you know, the Mike Earhart's and the Matt Wells's, uh, the Corey Falls, um, those kind of guys I, I knew of, you know. Um, and so I, I was able to step in, and, and those guys kind of took me in with open arms, even though well, we, of course, were competing, you know, and, you know, everybody wants a spot. But um, the culture was great. The coaches were great. Obviously, the players, uh, we got along so well. Um, but, yeah, there's always a little bit of skepticism, and, and you wonder, you know, do I belong? And, yeah, but it happened really quickly. I was very, very thankful. Don Reed from Oregon, Jerome Sowers from Oregon, yep. uh, Robin Flugrad from Oregon. So there's a bunch of Oregon yeah. guys on the coaching staff too. So yeah. did that make you feel more comfortable when you were first making your Definitely. Decision? Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and they, they really value like smart, tough players. You know, I, I felt like I was around a bunch of guys that were like me. Um, and that was a really, uh, that, that made me feel good. And then, of course, you know, you realize how special Dave is really quickly, you know, I mean, I, I, I know, known of him for sure. Uh, and he kind of jumped on the map on that Oregon game, never really slowed down. So it, it was just became real evident how special he was and, and he was going to lead us. And it was just fun to go in games, just being so, so darn confident that we were, you know, probably going to win and I was probably going to catch balls. And, and it was, uh, it was just super, super fun. And I, like I said, I just feel so fortunate. I kind of fell into that. You mentioned some of those guys on the team from Oregon, too, like Matt Wells and Corey Falls, Jeff Zellick. Did you compete with or against those guys at all in high school? Um, no, I never got to play against any of those guys. Um, I played against um, one of the Marshfield kids. Uh, remember Joe? What was Joe's last name? Lehman? Uh, no. He and you know the quarterback at the time at Marshfield um, was Mark. What's he was the head coach at Oregon? I can't believe I'm pulling a brain oh, Hellfrich, right here. Yeah. Helfrich. Helfrich was the quarterback. Lehman was a, a running back and a DN. So I played those guys, but never ran into Earhart or Wells. Um, Wells had um, he had graduated the year before we played Ashland in the state title game. So right. I just missed him. But I, I did run into Lehman and, and uh, Halfridge. And you mentioned Robin Flugard being your primary recruiter, but then Coach Flugard takes uh, the first of what became several different uh, Pac-12 assistant jobs uh, right after, I guess, probably right before you were about to come in. So uh, did that shake things up at all? Or what was your perception of going well, to play and the receivers I, coaches leaving? Well, I, was, I feel real fortunate uh, with that timing because I, he still was my go-to. He got me in there. And, this, you know, it seemed like the second I had, had got uh, on campus, I think he went to Arizona State at that time, possibly. Yeah. I want to say he took a, the receiver job there. But, you know, Coach Cockhill, Billy, immediately, and I, um, you know, we bonded. And then I uh, really was close to, with Coach Pease. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel fortunate that Coach Flew was around, but, man, you know, Coach Cockhill was super, super, super good for me. And so obviously Coach Pease was and Coach Dennehy. But um, on the skill position side, obviously Coach Pease and Coach Cockhill are the guys that really developed me. And I had those really, really close relationships with. Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, is sponsored by First Security Bank and Coulter. While First Security has long been a supporter of the University of Montana and UM Athletics, people might be surprised to know how much First Security Bank, in fact, influenced the University of Montana program and the path they were on directly. Back in 1993, the Grizz were on their way to their second ever berth in the Division One AA playoffs. Previously, in 1989, the only other time Montana had made it to the Division One AA playoffs, and at that time, first round home games awarded via a bidding process. And so, to help support the Grizz football team as well as fortify the faith throughout the community of Missoula, Bill Boucher, former president of First Security Bank, stepped up to the table to help the University of Montana guarantee any potential revenue lost for the first round of the playoffs. And of course, 
that was recouped in a big way as the University of Montana in 1993 then started the first of 17 straight playoff berths. And in 1995, that local optimism was turned into national prominence as Montana made a run all the way to the 1995 National Championship. First Security Bank is proud to sponsor Grizz Greats and this 25-part podcast series commemorating the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions for Security Bank a proud supporter of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. You're a very good player, obviously, coming out of high school and, and playing and you know starting as a sophomore at Oregon State, regardless of the system, is you know outstanding. But you go in, you talked about how much fun it was and how much more fun it was, and especially as a receiver in that system. But how much of a learning curve was there to adjust to now this new kind of style of football? And because you hit the ground running. I mean, you're you know All-American your first year there, so you obviously took to it quickly. But what was it like to kind of show up and try and you know get indoctrinated? with everybody who's kind of been there and been in this system now for a little while. Yeah, um, there was a definite learning curve because um, when I did go to Oregon State, I was a running back in high school. Um, so I showed up at Oregon State and my freshman year, I, you know, I, I spent as a running back. But it was such a physical position uh, for 175-pound, not a very strong kid uh, at the running back position, but, the, but they could see where I was super skilled um, and could catch the ball. And so they, they moved me out to receiver. And I was kind of like, yeah, this is cool. But you, and, and like I said, I, I, like I led the team in receptions, I think 10, 11 catches or something, but really I wasn't, I mean, I didn't learn the nuances of the, that position at Oregon state, a wide receiver. So there was a definite learning curve. And all of a sudden there's, you know, four wide, four wide receivers, sometimes five, and, you know, the spacing's different. And um, you just learn real quickly how different the, the system is and, and my position was. But um, they really used my skill set real well. I mean, almost, almost a glorified outside running back, if you will, with so many screens. And I was still able to read um, big linemen that were in front of me leading – leading the blocks and but you know and, and then also it was fun learning the actual wide receiver position and um you know there was a learning curve but it, they did such a good job of of teaching me and, and dickie was like a coach on the field too so and even matt wells like i mean i had just so many smart guys around me if i'm if i had any questions i mean i had about five or six guys that could be like hey you need to do this you know right so um yeah no it was a big time learning curve but man it, it wasn't really that big of a deal what do you remember about the atmosphere of playing in Washington Grizzly Stadium at that time, especially compared to what your maybe expectations were of it, and then overlaying mm-hmm. on on playing in the in the Pac-10 and, and in Corvallis? Well, like I said, I I thought coming out as a high school kid, you know how cool it would be to go play in these big stadiums in the in the Pac-10. But after my experience at at Washington Grizz Stadium, and then you know even going beyond and and playing in some places when I was in camp for the NFL the atmosphere at Washington Grizz was a more special place than anywhere that I'd ever that I that I'd ever played it was truly a home field advantage i mean it was i always tell people i mean that was it's one of the best places in america that you could experience watching a game i would imagine and definitely playing in a game especially being a Grizz. It was just, it's such a special place. And we all know that it's talked about, I think nationally, even people know about it, but uh, it's just a truly special place. I mean, I I don't really even, you got to experience it to really understand what it feels like. Coming into that 1995 season, uh, I think it's easy to forget that Montana actually lost a lot coming out of 1994. I know that both the uh, one-point loss to Delaware in the playoffs in 1993 and then the disheartening loss to Youngstown State in the playoffs in 1994, both those things motivating factors. But, you know, Scott Gregg's on his way to the NFL, and uh, Shalon Baker, Scott Guernsey, the two leading receivers in the history of the school, uh, graduate mm-hmm. and, and move on. And Shalon Baker goes on to play professional football too. Um, but what do you remember about just the expectations both for the receivers group and the team as a whole heading into 1995? You know, just coming in as a new guy and not really knowing, I it might have been to my benefit. I really didn't know. I heard about Scott and Shalon a lot. You know, when I got there, those guys, um, you know, Billy obviously played with them. 
a little bit. And then everybody uh, who was there when I started playing obviously played with them too. So I, I heard about them. I just didn't know them, you know. So maybe me not knowing and, and those expectations and, and knowing what they went through with those tough losses those previous two years may have benefited me. But, man, I, I felt like um, – when we would take the field, uh, we were we were going to win. I, I felt that early on. I think we went to Washington State and we kind of competed, uh, even though we lost. And I thought, man, okay, we can if we can compete with these guys in the Palouse, we're going to be okay. And then, sure enough, I think it was Boise State and I think Tony Hildy and those guys were supposed to be really good. And we just throttled those guys. So I think we just we figured out pretty quickly we were going to be pretty good. And then, obviously, with Dave, it was just again, you know, Dave was just amazing, and it was. Well, always felt like we're going to win with that guy going, and then we had a super good defense on top of all that. To a man, every single guy we've interviewed so far has talked about that belief in winning. Do you know where that came from, though? I mean, does that something that's cultivated? Is that something that's intrinsic? Where does that come from when you're doing it as a collective group? I I think it is intrinsic, and I think it is cultivated as you go. As you go, you just it's it's happening, and then there's more confidence and. Uh, there's that just belief. You believe in everyone. I mean, like, you know, you realize you're just playing with some super, super good players and we're being coached real well. We're in situations that uh, really benefit all of us. And, and um, I just, it just became real, real evident that uh, we're going into games and we're going to win. And you know, we always thought that and more often than not, we did. Uh, and so, I think it's a little bit of both, a little bit of, a, of an intrinsic thing, but it also it's something we're building, and uh, it was just such a great feeling. I, I want to ask you about one one game specifically in that 95 season. That's the Cat-Grizz game because mm-hmm. a, a lot of guys that we've talked to from this 95 team, they'll talk about that Boise game, the Washington State game, the Idaho game as well, but not as many about Montana, Montana versus Montana State, even though – anymore that is the game it's the only game right in a lot of ways at a lot of levels but it was just such a uh, an expectation and if I may say a certainty that Montana is going to win this football game that it kind of didn't register but you roll into what is the game of the year in this state every single year and have 200 yards plus in your very first one in the rivalry game do you you remember that and and what do you think about that especially in the context of sort of the legacy of that game over the years yeah, I, you know, it's, uh, of all all the games and, and what have you, and, and there are so many special ones, I just remember that one that one that wasn't going as we had planned early on, and it right. was a tough game. And, and um, you know, I, I don't know how I had that good of a game, to be honest with you. It doesn't seem like I, I put up those kind of numbers, but um, that, that game was a – I just remember it just being a super tough game and not one that we had anticipated to be that tough, but uh, of course, somehow we pulled it out. Um, and I, I don't know. There, there just, it's, there, should, I, there is such a buildup and we had like, gosh, I don't know at the time uh, how many we had reeled off straight. I don't know, like 13, 14 at that point in time. Um, so that was kind of a big thing and talked about, but uh I don't know. That season was just, it seemed like every game was pretty big and, and we played well, um, uh, you know, week in and week out, but boy, we got to the end of that one and it just didn't seem like we played very well, but we somehow pull it out. And, uh, yeah, I, I just don't, when I think about it now, it didn't feel that good, you know, even though we won. Today's business phone systems are required to do more than just answer phone calls. A cloud-based or VoIP voice system from Blackfoot Communications simplifies your business communications while adding features and capabilities. Your staff, remote or in-house, can provide the service your customers expect. With zero upfront investment, your future phone system is available today. Call 541-5000 or visit blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot, connect to more. We have talked, uh, of course, to everybody about the playoff run, and we'll get to the national championship game specifically, but the three games in Washington Grizzly Stadium, I mean, what more can be said? Oh. We, you know, when you talk about, you know, uh, what was it, a Coulter, 160 of 14 or something like that? I mean, just oh my unbelievable. And you on the offensive side, I mean, you guys are, are pretty much done at halftime, maybe a little bit in the third quarter, but, I mean, yeah. just rolling the way you did into, I mean, for God's sakes, a national semifinal, you know? I know it was cold. I know it's Stephen yeah. F. Austin, all that kind of stuff, but, I mean, you got to be thinking at that point, well, this, I mean, signed, sealed, and delivered, there's no, nobody can touch us right 
Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, it was. Uh, it sure seemed like that. Uh, those first three games, um, I think obviously it had a little combination of teams coming in from the south and not experiencing such a crazy atmosphere, and it's so cold, and it's like, you know, we're moving around these little uh, Washington Grizz guys moving around. I mean, I think we were, we were essentially playing playing on frozen grass. Um, but we had these little spikes and we could move real well. And these, these guys from uh, the South, it, 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 were just, it seemed like they were tiptoeing and they were freezing. And uh, there was just so many things that were to our advantage. And uh, absolutely, I mean, it, it felt like nobody was, could, could touch us. Um, obviously, getting that national championship, it, it wasn't quite like that. But, uh, yeah, what an unbelievable three-game run. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody could have ever dreamt that up. But that was certainly uh, a fun three-game run, that's for sure. Pretty striking to look at your numbers down the stretch as well. And, you know, Ryan mentioned the 13 catches for 208 yards against Montana State, but then I think he had 100 yards in all three of the playoff games leading up to the national championship as well. So was that just a product of you becoming more comfortable within the offense, or what was helping you get so many more looks uh, as you guys get, get got down into the postseason and your season progressed? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's anything we ever talked about uh, as a game plan or Dickie going, hey, I'm looking for you. I, I think it's just a matter of, um, you know, I'd had a, enough games under my belt and Dickie kind of understand what I did well, what Coach P's and understanding what I did well. Um, so I think it was like just a, a bunch of different things, just a comfort level in the offense. And, and like I said, everybody kind of learning uh, what we all do best. Um, and then you know, when you win this as much as we did, I think, you know, I was playing with so so much confidence and that's a big thing. Um, and I was, luckily I just was, I stayed healthy, you know, I mean, that, I think that's a huge thing too. So um, they're just all those types of things that, that I think played a part in me, me playing at a pretty consistent high level at that point in time. But so many guys did, you know, it was just uh, um, when my number was called, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, we made it happen, and it, gosh, it was just so much fun. So you roll through the first three rounds, and you head off to Huntington, West Virginia, to take on Marshall and what turns out to be a home game for Marshall. Uh, ironically, mm-hmm. you managed to pull that off two years in a row. How about that? Uh, what yeah. do you remember, though, most about the lead-up to that game? Um, you know, it, it, we knew it was going to be tough, man. We that, that Just such a long uh, way to travel, uh, just not being in the comfort of Washington Grizz. So that really slipped on us because uh, Marshall had an unbelievable home field advantage as well. But um, I think when you watch them on film, we, we got the idea. Uh, we felt like, man, we, we've, we've met our match. We, I don't, we didn't un- underestimate them. Um, and then when you get on the field with those guys, I mean, you, you realize – why they are there with us. I mean, they were super physical. They were super fast. Um, and they're playing at home. Um, so it was, a, they were a different beast. Uh, and, and you knew that right off the bat. Um, but, you know, obviously we hung in there and battled and battled and battled and gave, our, gave ourselves a chance to win that thing. But um, there's a level, a level of uncertainty you know how good were these guys uh and just being out of like i said the comfort of washington grizzly stadium we knew that was something that was going to be a thing too when you hang 70 in the semifinals does it take a readjustment mentally to say okay we need to refocus it's probably not going to be like this when we go on the road (laughs) well i mean i certainly um it was talked about i'm sure uh, but I'm sure being a, you know, 20, 21 year old kid, you, you know, you, you think nobody's going to stop you. But uh, uh, like I said, once we all hit the field and realize how physical they were and how things weren't going to move to, uh, you know, a, a 70 point type of ball game, um, you know, you, you got to readjust and you, know, you got to compete. Today's business phone systems are required to do more than just answer phone calls. A cloud-based or VoIP voice system from Blackfoot Communications simplifies your business communications while adding features and capabilities. Your staff, remote or in-house, can provide the service your customers expect. With zero upfront investment, your future phone system is available today. Call 541-5000 or visit blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot. Connect to more.
But I'm interested in that because you do need to readjust and compete, but a lot of teams can't do that. Like if things aren't going the way they've gone where you're scoring a bucket load of points no matter what the situation, even against Pac-10 teams and everything else, that Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, it might be you just go, well, then this isn't what's happening. We're not used to this. How did you overcome in that moment where you got to have it? Well, I think it just it comes back to leadership um, in, in that, you know, revolves around Dave and, and Matt and then uh, our coaching. I mean, Coach Reed was just amazing. And then uh, we really leaned on Coach Pease. And, and like I said, luckily, on the defensive side, uh, just because we didn't score a bunch of points that day, obviously our defense stepped up big time. Um, and we always we, – we never felt like it was just, you know, uh, the offense that was – Unbelievable. I mean, it was a truly just a, it was a family in the locker room, and we all leaned on each other. And on that day, defense was was so good, and they ultimately gave us a chance uh, to win the ball game. And and you know, we we somehow pulled it off. But um, yeah, like you feel that in the game, and and thank goodness, like I said, that with the leadership of those guys I'd mentioned, and um, you know, we were able to, like I said, compete and and you know give. Uh, Larson a chance to to kick a big one and win it. Do you remember what practices were like leading up to that week? I mean, did you guys seem focused? Did you seem uh, eager? What, what was the attitude of the team before you guys um, got on the plane? You know, it's, it's a little bit of a blur. I want to say. Um, I, I think you know to to get to the uh, national championship, we were always pretty focused. Uh, obviously, we played with a lot of confidence. Uh, practices were pretty darn fun, um, but. You know, I, I felt like we were always, when we were on the field, it was pretty much business as usual. I think Coach Pease, um, he, he wouldn't have allowed it any other way anyway. Pretty intense guy. Um, so I, I don't know if it was just the makeup of our team where we always stayed pretty darn focused, even coming off these huge offensive uh, Saturdays. Um, we'd always come back to work and, and, and do our thing. When the game ends and you're a national champion in your first run ever with the University of Montana what what was your experience like in those you know in the moments and 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 hours after that game well it's, it's pretty it's pretty unbelievable and you don't I, I don't think it really hits you initially like right when it happens and you're celebrating you just kind of what in the world went on it's uh a little bit, you know, once you kind of are able to decompress and you're on the plane, a long plane trip home, and you just realize, holy smokes, what did we just do? What a season. Uh, can't believe, you know, and then personally just going, man, you know, I, I was so fortunate to make that the call of, of transferring and, you know, for Montana just, you know, opening their arms for me and, and taking me in. And so there's so many things that go through your head. Um but it's also just something, I mean, it's something no one can ever take away from you, you know. Um, we'll always be national champs, and, you know, like we get phone calls like this, you know. It's just, it's way, way cool, and, um, you know, we're always super proud about it. And then when you go through a season like that, um, the bonds and friendships you make really are ones that last, last a lifetime. I mean, it's just, it's truly one of those things, so... Um, there's so much more to it than just initially being a national champ. I mean, it's just it's such a long-lasting um, experience. And, and like I said, it's just something you can never take away in, in so many respects. When you get back to Missoula, uh, you know, you got the whole crowd waiting for you at the airport. You got the function there at the uh, at Dahlberg Arena and so on. What do you remember? Well, and then there's downtown, too. Don't let me forget that piece of it. Uh, <laughs> what, what do you remember yeah. most? Or what, what, what's your best takeaway from those days being back in town as, uh, as kind of the rulers of the roost? Well, I mean, it was just such a – I mean, you know that Missoula – um, really is a town that is all about the Grizz. So it was just a really neat feeling to be able to come home and, and feel like you did something for the university and really the, the city and the state. So um, I, I just remember just feeling, man, this, you know, this is for everyone, you know, and uh, everyone deserves this. And it's, you know, it just because people are just so passionate about it and they treat us, they've always treated us so well. Um, so just that piece, uh, and then just being with guys that you just, you know, you're, you you go through blood, sweat, and tears for a long, long time, and you just, 
you know, you, you, we'd get up early and do workouts. We'd stay up late and do workouts. We'd have to watch film and, uh, all while go to class. I mean, it's just guys that you, you know, really are on the same page as you. And so it's just being able to reminisce and appreciate, you know, everything that you went through is, uh, that's kind of what I remember about it. Today's business phone systems are required to do more than just answer phone calls. A cloud-based or VoIP voice system from Blackfoot Communications simplifies your business communications while adding features and capabilities. Your staff, remote or in-house, can provide the service your customers expect. With zero upfront investment, your future phone system is available today. Call 541-5000 or visit blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot. Connect to more. You mentioned the intellect of some of the guys you were in the same position group with, but by and large, it seems like that was a common factor amongst this whole team. It seemed like the coaches coached in a pretty cerebral style, and it seemed like you guys are all pretty smart guys that like to you know discuss and analyze things, and that's why this has been so fun for us, because everybody seems to have a great way to articulate their own memories. But how much of that added to just the chemistry of the team and, and how well you guys got along and bonded and fought together? Well, I think it's a, it's a huge, huge piece, and I don't think people really can understand um, the value of playing with really smart guys. But not only smart guys, just like super, super tough guys, right? So I think that's just a dangerous combination. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you know, you, you talk about there's just um, so many guys that were really, really good students, but also really good students of the game. So um, it's a really dangerous combination to to throw that together with guys that are smart who have skill and then really, really tough football players. And I think that whole combination, obviously um, that combination worked. I mean, uh, really, really hard to beat. Um, And, you know, I think it's a real, real important piece on why we were so successful um, was that cerebral piece. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Montana now has all these uh, newfound expectations. And now all of a sudden you are the defending national champs. And it's so interesting to me that there was obviously some key seniors on that team, Dave Dickinson, Matt Wells, to mm-hmm. name a few. But so many of you guys were juniors. So you got to experience national championship glory, but then also defend your national championship as well. What do you remember about the offseason leading up to that? First, I guess, start with Coach Reed deciding that he was going to walk away. I know that was a little bit of a surprise to everybody. What was your reaction when you heard Don Reed was going to retire? Uh, I mean, that was disappointing, but we also understood and we thought, man, there's not a – I mean, if I was – it was not a better time to, to walk off into the sunset, really, you know, um, to, to leave as a national champ um in the position he was in we you know it was a little bit of a bummer but we understood it uh especially when you know we made the seamless transition to coach Dennehy I think um that made things so much easier rather than bringing some guy and I don't know why that would ever happen but just that that piece was was big for us I think um coach Dennehy and uh had such a strong special relationship with our offensive linemen who are such a strong um, piece of, of the team um, was a really, really big deal, especially with our seniors at that point in time um, when, when Coach Dennehy became the coach. So um, it was it made sense to us, and I think we obviously we adjusted really quickly, and, um, you know, obviously we were really successful that year as well. And the, the departure of Dave Dickinson, obviously a gigantic story coming into your senior year. But I think internally you guys probably knew that Brian Ayotte could spin it, and then he comes out and throws for like 5,000 yards in his first year as a starter. <laughs> so do you remember just having a lot of faith in Brian, uh, even though probably outside people were thinking, well, how is Montana ever going to replace Dave Dickinson? Um, yeah, I think there was there's some uncertainty with all of us just because he was young and he was really underspoken, uh, really quiet guy. Um, but all that being said, Brian – was probably my best buddy um, when he when he was named the starter at the time. We were all, I was I became really tight with him the second I'd, I'd gotten on campus uh, for whatever reason. We just we, we bonded. Uh, we got along well, so I knew he could spin it. I didn't know he was going to be. Yeah, I didn't know he was just going to step in and, and and do as well as he did. Though I mean, I, I don't know if anybody could tell you that they uh, foresaw that, um, but we realized in a hurry we were in good good hands and uh 
I feel fortunate. Obviously, he, he looked my way quite a bit. Coulter, in 1993, the Grizz football team was looking to host its first playoff game of the decade and just its second season of playoffs in school history. As we know, you got to have some financial backing to guarantee a home game. And former First Security Bank president Bill Boucher stepped up, spearheading a group of local business owners to guarantee that bid for UM Athletics. And that commitment from First Security Bank to UM has never wavered. Bill Boucher, Gordy Fix, Several other business owners around the city of Missoula certainly had a huge influence in stepping up. Certainly some of the first true believers in what Grizz football could become and what they could mean to the Missoula community. Two years later, in 1995, the University of Montana had turned that local optimism into national prominence. The Grizz won the Division I AA National Championship, the first national title in the history of the university. And 25 years later, First Security Bank is still proud to sponsor the Grizzlies. For Security Bank, a presenting sponsor for Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, a 25-part podcast series remembering that epic 1995 season. For Security Bank, proud sponsor of Grizz Athletics and the University of Montana. In the very first game of that season, we come full circle, and you head back to Corvallis, and you play yeah. in, in front of 28,000 and change, and put it on the Beavers. Uh I know that that was a big moment for you, but what what specifically? I mean, did you you already had to feel justified in what you'd done and won a national championship and all that? But was it like, yeah, I went, I did, I did, I left here for one double A and went to a much better team, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a big thing. I always tell guys though, it was bittersweet. I, le- you know, when after the game, after you, I mean, we really we put it on them bad. Thirty five fourteen for you boys and girls yeah, at home. It, Exactly, and they said, for all you boys and girls at home, they scored really late, too. It was like 35-7, and they scored super late in the game, but who's counting? Anyway, uh, you know, at the end <laughs> at the end of the game, you know, there, here I see these guys I had, I had come in with, right? And they have these looks on their faces like I used to have after every game getting bounced. So it was a little bittersweet, um, more sweet than bitter, but, but again, it just reminded me of why I got out of there. Um, and then on top of that, we, we played really well. Um, and we're, it was our first game without Dave and without Coach Reed. Um, but I think right then and there, I mean, people realized how strong our class was and that, that we were in good hands with, with Brian. So it was a statement game in so many ways for us as a program. And then really cool to come home uh, to a place I transferred from. And I probably had like 50 people in the crowd that were either friends or family. And, uh, so just to play well and all that stuff um, and to be able to go up to coach uh, Pettybone and shake his hand. Uh, it was just, it was just, it was, like I said, uh, on top of the the national championship, that, that game was probably the next most memorable game that I've, that I'd played in as a Grizz. And they were back to back. How about that? How about that? <laughs> Two games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, it was pretty neat. Like uh, th- that was a big time statement game. Like you, you just when you lose a guy like Dave, and then a young quarterback stepping in, you, you're not real sure. But um, I think, you know, obviously we realized real quick that we're we're going to be really good defensively. Or we were so good and so experienced, and you know, offensively same thing. Guys up front were really really good with our o, our O linemen, and then even on you know the perimeter with Mike and myself and Raul, and um, so. And then our running back situation was really good too. So I mean, it's we we were good. We were raring to go. So by the time you get down the stretch run of the '96 season, you guys have won I think 21 games in a row. You house the playoff oh, wow. field again. But take me through just that entire season because it was a completely different thing, right? I mean, Montana had been chasing national championship glory for a long time, but had never broken through. Then you break through. So now you're the favorites in the Big Sky Conference. You're among the favorites in the country, ranked, I think, mm-hmm. number two in the polls, wire to wire. Was it a different dynamic in the way that you guys prepared and also just the way that teams took their best shots at you? Or what, what was it like being kind of this top dog that has a target on their backs? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I felt a whole lot of difference um, between those two years. I, I, I felt like as a senior, I, I think I, individually I played with a lot more confidence. Um, just, you know, second year in the, the system and, and just your one year more mature and you've been through, 
you know, a, a national championship season. And again, we're playing in games and just, you know, we're, we're throttling guys, throttling, throttling teams. So things felt pretty similar. And I think we kind of knew we were on a path to where we could give her another run. I, I, to be honest with you, I mean, I think everybody in that locker room was really, really confident. And um, we, you know, we hit the weight room hard. We practiced really well. I mean, there was no, like, with the character of the guys that were in that locker room, there was no, uh, nobody was satisfied with winning one. I, I think we all wanted to win another one. We've talked to a lot of guys. So many guys on that team uh, were from Montana, right, and and followed the Grizzlies mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, grew up and intellect. many of them still, you know, live in Missoula and all that. Yep. But you, you know, Son showed up for two years, lost three games in two seasons, went to two <laughs> national championships. Like all you know is the Grizzlies just beating everybody's ass. And so well, that's the, um, yeah, that's uh, what I was gonna say. When you're like you you know you're the Grizz have chased this and chased that. It's like man, I stepped into the situation where every we stepped on the field and just trounced guys. Yeah. It was just <laughs> an amazing. It was an amazing thirty game run for me. I just feel so fortunate. So when you think back though, and you see, and really, I mean that was the beginning of dominance it wasn't just those two years mm-hmm. of dominance right I mean Montana goes on to win another national championship in yep. one oh yeah you know several more championship appearances and really 15 years of just not just excellence elite best in the nation level right. football and so but you were right on the front end of that and so what do you think about your place not just you but you and that team in sure. in what became Montana football well, I, I think you, you nailed it on the head and, and you know, um, just to start a run like that and really to give, um, you know, the University of Montana kind of that national recognition. I think just people started realizing every year these guys, uh, the national championship may run through Missoula. And, and we certainly showed that even after uh, I graduated with, with the crew that kind of, I guess, laid that foundation, if you will. Um, so that was that just it was way cool to once to get to once I got away from the program to see to see year in and year out um, how much the Grizz were going to compete at the national level. Um, and with that, you know, here, I, you know, you could see I, it was so fun to watch guys that were super successful that were a little bit behind me in the program, whether it be Brian or whether it be Jimmy Ferris um, and Scott Curry, just those types, you know, the Crebos. I mean, it was just still the path thousands all those guys it's just it was just cool just to see them kind of carry carry on that super competitive grizz legacy of of excellence take us through your path then after the university of montana what was next for joe douglas what have you been doing over the last 25 years oh yeah it's it's been a, um kind of a whirlwind um at this juncture you know i, I live in uh, the west valley of phoenix and i've got two amazing kids Jaden and Reese, um, they're 16 and 14. Um, so really they occupy so much of my time. I'm a weight training teacher at a high school. I had started a football program where I'm at now. I don't know. It was probably like about eight years ago, but it about killed me. Uh, so I resigned <laughs> about three or four years ago. It's just nuts. About my, I, one of my, the things I always used to say is like, how I can't, I can't want this more than you guys. And so, you know, when you come from, I guess, the Grizz and, and being in a situation where you're so successful and, and you know, you competed at such a high level, um, I, I started a program up at a, this, a smaller school. And, I mean, I literally had to teach kids how to put on pads. So my mind, my mind frame had to uh, I had to kind of shift gears. And long story short, it took it took its toll and my kids were just at an age where I wanted more, I wanted to be able to really focus on what they were doing. Um, so that's where I am today. Uh, but yeah, out of, out of college, you know, had a little run with the jets and the saints and the jets or, you know, in training camp stuff. It was fun to play overseas in NFL Europe. Uh, and then I had a, you know, little run in the arena football league, which was super fun. You know, all you did was run high motion and you either go post or corner and catch touchdowns. Um, so I was able to do that for about, 10 years post uh, uh, Grizz and then, uh, you know, essentially been uh, either selling stuff or, or being a teacher um, since then. So uh, love the desert and, um, you know, what it offers me out here. It allows me to get outside and, and move around and, 
don't get back to Missoula, not nearly as much as I'd want to, but um, I guess that's kind of what's been going on in a nutshell. When you were rebuilding the, the football program and you're doing some coaching yourself, one of the most fascinating mm-hmm. parts about that 95 team is you look at that coaching staff. Yeah. And obviously Don Reed is a legend all in his own and such an innovator, <laughs> such an offensive mastermind. But, yeah. you know, Robin Flugrad rose to the highest level of college football. Brent Pease rose to the highest mm-hmm. level of college football. McDenny was an FBS head coach. Billy Cockhill was an FBS coordinator and then now Dave Dickinson is one of the great coaches in all of professional football up in the CFL as well yeah. so I mean did do you take anything from those guys did, did you notice yourself having influences either consciously or subconsciously from the guys that you learned from growing up yeah I mean I think I definitely love I ended up really liking uh spreading the ball out um like philosophy wise I really um I loved how coach Reed would be like you know our conditioning is going to you know, a lot, so much of what football coaches do is they want to kill you at the end of practice with conditioning wise. I always respected coach Reed. He was like, Hey, just bust your rear end in practice, whether it be a drill, whether it be seven on seven, whether it be, if we're doing team stuff, you work your rear end off. And that's, that's our conditioning. If we all work hard enough. So I try to always incorporate kind of like that philosophy. I felt like you get more out of kids that they knew you just work your rear end off doing drills when you try to just get better doing actual football things um i always thought i got more out of kids doing that so between that kind of philosophy and i really do like spreading the ball out i ended up using a lot of like the fly motion a bunch for all kinds of different reasons but really at the end of the day i was always running like four or five wide outs uh like we did with the grids just what it's what i knew and i really liked it and i think it's just there's so many different things that you could do out of sets like that. Um, but yeah, I've been exposed to so many great, whether it be players and coaches, I think you just kind of uh, subconsciously take in a lot of, of what you learn and um, you incorporate what you like and maybe what you didn't like. Um, and really today, I really just kind of try to find out what our kids did well and, and do a couple different things, try to do those couple different things really well and see what it would happen. But uh, yeah. Yeah. When I think back on that, it's just uh you know, I think just subconsciously, a lot of things just kind of get incorporated into what you what you do. Well, Joe, as we wrap things up here, one thing I wanted to ask you about was 2011, because you get a call and uh, find out that you're going to be inducted into the University of Montana Hall of Fame, the Athletics Hall of Fame, after, you know, two of the great seasons of any wide receiver that that's ever walked through Washington Grizzly stadium and, and the only two seasons that you were in Montana. And so what was it like to kind of have that happen, you know, so far after the fact, 15 years after you graduated? I mean, I just got goosebumps as you said that. Um, I, I mean, it's just what it's the, the, one of the highest honors, you know, um, Again, I, I always just feel I, I'm so uh, grateful that I was able to step into a situation like that with just such great players that would, you know, you, it, football such a team game um, to be as successful as I was individually because it just never happened if I wasn't playing with such great players. Um, and then just with the coaches that put, put me in a position to really be successful. Um, and so, I, again, and I, I go back to what I was talking about, coaches, those, I think the good ones find out what each each player does well, and they try to really um, focus on that and and bring that out of you. And I think the coaches and Coach Pease and Coach Cockill did such a good job of that uh, on my end. Uh, so I'm just so grateful for just the situation I was in, uh, and and just um, things happened the way they did. And you ended up, you know, you win a national championship playing another one, and uh, I was able to just to really contribute, um, you know, individually. Um, I, I, I really don't know what to say other than it's just super, super grateful. And um, I just feel so thankful I came into a situation like that because it truly was special. I mean, it just, it just doesn't happen to anyone or, or not many people, at least. Well, Joe, we appreciate your time very much for joining us. It's been great to hear your stories and, and your recollections from, from your two seasons at Montana and obviously everything before and after that as well. Thanks so much. Yeah. I really appreciate you guys doing this and, and reaching out. Um, uh, pretty pretty neat to recall this uh, and uh, really appreciate it. And, and go Grizz.
Thank you for listening to Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions. Check back each week. Two Tell Nuanas will be playing previews of each Grizz Greats. Sound bites and clips. You can also find Grizz Greats on all of your podcast hosting platforms. You can also find it by going directly to grizzgreats.com or 1029ESPN.com. Grizz Greats, proudly presented by First Security Bank of Missoula and Blackfoot Communications. <laughs>